Yeah, 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 yeah. Give it to me, Albie. Yeah, 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 Give it to me. Yeah. That's what's known around here as the Decca Yeah. I'm not one of those guys who's like, yeah, it's Friday. Yeah, I mean, it is Friday, but I like that energy, that Decca Yeah. Welcome to the program. Let's get it. Let's get it. Don't be lazy. Don't be soft. Don't be complacent. Come hard on a Friday. Earn whatever it is you're going to do tonight. Earn that happy hour. Earn that party. Earn that date night. If you come hard, trust me, it'll be much better. It's like that Friday afternoon. Before I have that adult that adult beverage that I have only on Friday, well, Saturday, I make sure I earn it by going as hard as I can the entire day. Everything is so much better. Like, you want that Friday beer? Trust me. It's way colder if you go hard all day Friday and you get a good workout in. And let's get this thing done. I've got a good show for you. I need for you to do your job. We will do our job. You have my word. You have my commitment. We will take care of business. We will, here it is, we will stand on business. You need to stand on your business too. Telephone number is 1-800-636-8686. I like it. The phone's ringing already. 1-800-636-8686. If you want to hit me up on the X, I would love that. At Jim Rome. Email me at Rome, R-O-M-E, at habitate.com. Coming up at 940. That's our number one. Former tight end, two-time pro bowler, Kyle Rudolph joins me via Zoom. Coming up at the top of our number two, the big head, James Kelly. Another completely horrific night last night. I'll tell you what. I know that I'm here on record as saying I really like gambling. I really do. I did. I did. I'll get it back. I'll rally. We need a rally. He at least made some money last night. Not me. I got kicked in the stick again. Big head bets early in the show. Hour number two. We're going to pick five games. Try to get right. Coming up at the top of hour number three, Brandel Chambly. Former team PGA Tour golfer, golf channel analyst. I want to talk to him about John Rahm doing what he said he would never do. Go to live. Quote, everybody's got a price. I mean, John Rahm was pretty adamant. Like, I don't like anything about this. I'm going to be a PGA guy. I'm going to stand on the PGA. I'm going to stand on the legacy and tradition of the PGA. I don't like that format. I don't like what they do. 300 mil, 400 mil, 500 mil. And notice I'm not judging necessarily. It would take a hell of a guy, a hell of a person with a hell of a lot of character to say no to 500 mil. I get that. Except these things that he said prior to are an exact contrast to what he's saying right now. Anyway, we'll talk about that. Like, what does that mean? Does a deal like that make it more likely that these two entities come together? Or does it make it more likely that they rip apart? And now that they poached him... What? Why are they poaching him right now? And does that mean others are going? Brando Chambly, I'm sure we'll have lots of takes on that, as always. That's top of our number three. ATP also, Alvi's Ionic week that was. And I'm going to try and Ionic. reset Eric Allen, who did a really good podcast with me earlier this week. So that's how this show is setting up. You get the sense? We've done our job. We have a good show for you. Now get up in here and do your job, too. one 800 636-8686. I want to put something else out there. So I've been talking to 
an author, a writer, about a book. One of our first main topics is you clones. A few of you clones, do not be shocked if this author were to call you to talk to you about your involvement on the program. You see, clones, here's what I can do for you. Here's what I've always done for you. I have provided a big-ass stage, a platform, a stage, a big stage. I'm the idol maker. I want to provide you perhaps another stage, a book. So, just put that out there. A few of you may get a call from this guy. Be aware. Be alert. Are you all right with that? You don't have to do it. But he and I have been talking extensively about you clones. And I'm like, you know what I think the best thing to do? I think you need to meet some of them. I think you need to speak with some of them. I think you need to hear from them what the show means to them and how they approach their phone calls. Hey, nut, I told him about you too. You also can expect a phone call. So we're working on this. It's not done. It's not a thing per se, but it's a project that I want to be a thing. Just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. As always, I'm involving you clones. All right, telephone number again, one 636 8686 It's Friday, so we will start with TNF. Now, you got to admit, I'm in a pretty good mood considering what went down last night. I was able to sleep on it. Last night, I was not in such a good mood. Last night, I was pretty freaking irritable. Pretty freaking irritable because I had a case of the red ass. Probably because my eyes were burning. burning. In fact, they're still burning. I'm still in searing pain from the latest. See, it's even, it's affecting my mouth, man, my tongue, my head. I feel like my brain got rewired the wrong way from watching that game last night. Like, it's turning my mind to mush. Even if I and everybody else on the planet knew what was coming last night. I mean, we all fully expected ass. What I did not expect was triple Ass. Here's what nobody saw coming. The historically pathetic Patriots offense exploding out of nowhere. Like the greatest show on turf to start that game. We thought that might be, and I was going to hit. I didn't hit the under, but I was going to hit the under. We thought that might be one of the lowest scoring games ever. Instead, the Pats scored more points in the first half last night than they had in the previous three games combined. And by the way, against a pretty good Pittsburgh defense in Pittsburgh. In other words, great look, Pittsburgh. Great look for you. Always awesome when you get dunked on in your house, on national television, in prime time, by a 2-10 team that just lost five games in a row in eight of their last nine. But you know what's even better than that, Steeler fan? When it's the second time in two weeks that you lost to a 2-10 and team on your field that had lost eight of your last nine. How is this even possible? Seriously, Mike Tomlin. I'm looking at you now, dude. I would never, ever call this guy out like that. I'm looking at you, Mike. How does that happen? I know you lied to America when you fired up that Twitter app back in the day. Long before it became the X and it was still Twitter. And you promised straight fire from your feed. 
and never gave us anything at all. Yeah, well, you might want to take some of that straight fire that you reneged on, on what is now the X, and blast it at your own team. Because I have never seen one of your teams look more lifeless, more unmotivated, and more out of it than it looks right now. More depressed than it looks right now. More miserable than it looks right now. How the hell do the Patriots, who have nothing to play for, except for a high draft pick, come into your house when you have everything to play for and play with grit and heart and your dudes just lay down? How is that possible? And how is that possible from a Mike Tomlin coach team? How is it possible also to get your ass beat by the Cardinals? And then have your players admit after that game that they did not take Arizona seriously. And then yet turn around and come out and completely fall flat the following week. Go ahead, Alvy. I will allow it today. You have my permission. Cue up SJP. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, Mike. Your team admitted they weren't ready for Arizona last week. That in and of itself doesn't make any sense. And then they chase that with this performance? She's right. It doesn't make any sense. She's right. She nailed it. You've got Pittsburgh out here playing for a playoff spot. Mitch Trubisky. Err, Trubisky? Mitch Trubisky is playing for his career. And they all no-show completely. Like, I knew this was a phony-ass seven-win team. What I didn't know is that they were this much of a disaster. And I really didn't know that Kenny Pickett was Terry Bradshaw compared to Mitch Trubisky. I mean, that offense was so horrific. Mitch Trubisky. And the play calling so bizarre last night that Steeler fan was actually missing Matthew Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And do you know how hard it is to make Steeler fan miss Matthew, Nova Scotia? Do you know how much they hated that guy? So hard that until last night, I would have told you it was impossible. (laughs) What they'd give to have that guy back now, right? He was the single most hated man in all of Pittsburgh. Right now, he could probably run for governor of Pennsylvania. Turns out this team has got much bigger problems than Matthew Canada. Namely, they're playing like crap across the board, and they look absolutely miserable doing it. The Steelers look like they hate each other more than they hate the other team. Nobody on the outside is enjoying this Steelers season, and apparently nobody on the inside is either. Like, I can't believe that George Pickens hasn't just taken his ball and gone home yet. Or pulled an Antonio Brown and stripped down and peaced out mid-game. Because every single week, <laughs> every single week, it looks like he's on the verge of doing exactly that. That was funny, Alvy. What happened to this team? What happened to this defense? See, another example of you're not what your record says you are. You're not what your record says you are because there's no way this team was 7-4. and four. What happened to Mike Tomlin's Coach of the Year campaign? Weren't we ready to give that to that guy like five minutes ago? Two weeks ago, they're 7-4, and four, and he looked like he was doing some of the best work of his, job, of his career. 
Now it looks like he's completely lost the team. Can I reset that? Two weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, it looked like he was doing the best work of his entire career, and now it looks like he lost the team? How does that happen? So forgive me if I'm not exactly convinced by Tomlin's tough guy answer to the obvious question of the night. What gives you the confidence that y'all can pick yourselves up off the mat after two straight weeks of eating the fists, Mike, of two in ten teams? Mike, what gives you the confidence that you guys can be back after two losses? Because this is what we do. This is who we are. It is? Is it? You know, normally in years past, when Mike Tomlin would show up and say that, you'd be like, damn. I mean, he always had your attention, right? But this this is what we do? This is who we are? This is what we do. This is who we are. Hey, Mike, this is news to us. This is exactly what the rest of us see right now. Let me tell you something. I'll tell you what we see right now, and I'll tell you exactly who you are right now. It's just me, some knucklehead behind a mic, outside your locker room. You would know better. But I'm going to tell you how you look. I'm not going to tell you how you are or who you are, but I would tell you how you look. You look like a team that got your asses beat by 2-10 and ten teams in back-to-back home games. You're a team where players admit they don't take games seriously and do not prepare hard enough. You're a team that has not won a playoff game in six years. You're a team with one of the most perennially excruciating offenses in all football. Even Iowa hates watching you guys try to move the ball. Your offense is a perennial pain. You know what? It's a perennial ass. Ask any Steeler. So again, the question, who are the Steelers? That's who you are right now. This is what we do. I just told you what you do. This is who you we are. You lose to two and ten teams back to back when you're a seven and four team and you've got a shot at the playoffs. That's what you do. That's who you are. Ask any Steeler fan. They'll back me up because the only people more sick of the Steelers than the Steelers themselves are their fans and they deserve better. But you know what? If you don't care about the fans or they're just fans, Go find one of your players. Go find a respected player. Go find somebody like Minka Fitzpatrick. That's a player. That's a vet. That's a respected vet. He was the latest to run to the media to dish about what a dumpster fire this team is right now. Here is what he told ESPN. Quote, in order to see the fruit, you got to toil for it. I think too many people don't want to toil for it. They just want to walk out here and think that they're going to make plays and think that they're going to perform at a high level. I think we need to have more people who want to work for it, not expect it to be handed to them. This is the NFL. Nothing's handed to you. You got to earn everything. End of quote. I mean, wow. So that's who you are. Minka says your guys don't want to toil for it. Last week, Jalen Warren told, told us that the team didn't take the Cardinals seriously and did not prepare properly. So at this point, I think it's fair to say that's what you are. That's what you do. This is what we do. This is who we are. Your own guys are saying opposite of that. Oh, and one more thing. In regards to who you are and what you do, you get dominated by the hood. 
That's who you are and what you do. Belichick is now 10-3 and three for his career against Tomlin. This one's got to feel so sweet for the mumbler. Rolling into Pittsburgh with Bailey Zappi and exploding for three first-half TDs. That's got to be the ultimate troll win. Follow me on this. The ultimate troll victory for the hood, especially since Pat's fan doesn't really want those wins. My half-fam, my half-chowed fam, has turned the page to the draft already. My half-chowed fam is Caleb Williams and Drake May. They're in that mode. So, of course, the hood man trolls everybody with a massive primetime road win over a 7-5 and team after scoring only 13 points over the previous three games. Classic, classic hood. Classic. Maybe that's all that Bill has left at this point. For motivation, I mean. Trolling. The man has virtually achieved everything else, right? So, if you really think about it, the last two seasons have been one gigantic Troll job, whether it's Matt the Ticonderoga coaching the offense, Joe the leader of men coaching the quarterbacks, or the constant mind games with Mac, or the drafting of a kicker in the fourth round, or refusing to add any high-end talent to his offense. Maybe that's what the Hood is truly aiming for at this point in his career. Not running down Don Shula, just trolling the hell out of everybody. If that's his deal, he did a great job last night. Because I'm pretty sure basically nobody came away happy about that result. Who's happy about that? That's got to be how the hood man wanted it. Hood man's probably like, uh-huh, hey, radio man. Uh-huh. You know what's going on here, radio man? 4D chess. Does that make sense to you, radio man? 4D chess. Not just chess. Nah, hey, radio man, you're playing checkers, and the rest of them are playing chess, but not me. Four-dimensional chess. You finally figured it out. I'm not tanking. I am trolling. There's a difference. They both start with T, but that's the only thing. Tanking, trolling, tanking, trolling. Bob Kraft and Bacon Face and all the chowds and you yourself, radio man, and Mac Jones can all kiss my ass. We are an embarrassment. We are not good enough to matter. We're not good enough to matter, much less contend for anything. But I refuse to give the fans and Bobby and all the other boobs and most of all you, Radio Man, what you want. A high draft pick. This is why I went into Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers. So I can urinate. Follow me on this, Radio Man. So I can urinate on you and all your parades and all the plans. And you want to know what else is fun? This is fun, Radio Man. I'm going to urinate on all you. And you know what else? I ate asparagus last night. Ha! Ha! Tell me how my troll ass tastes. Tell me how my ass tastes. Hey, you like that, radio man? Hey, Fox Bro, seriously. You can kiss Caleb and May goodbye. Because you're not getting them. Have fun with the zap man. Never mind Pickett's tiny hands. The Steelers would have a better chance having Pickett start with no hands. They could roll that guy out there in stumps. All right, so maybe that's an exaggeration. But you saw that fourth down and two call, right? With the game on the line. I mentioned the play calling. Trubisky deciding to throw it deep on fourth and two with the game on the line? What? 
Fourth down and two. Shotgun formation. Three receivers to the left. One to the right. Trubisky in the pocket. Trubisky off his back foot. Floats it high in the air. Incomplete. And the Steelers come up empty on fourth down. Yeah, surprised they took a shot down the field. Haven't seen it all game long, and they decide on fourth and two to try to blow this thing open. Right. What the hell kind of play call is that? That's right. The hell kind of play call is that, and especially with that guy under center? You don't see that all game long, like, oh, hey, hey, we'll catch him off guard. No, you won't. Come on. You didn't throw a long pass all night long. You don't take a deep shot all night long, but you do it there with Mitch. Hey, why don't you go ahead, grab the playbook, and tear out all the pages that include a forward pass? I always felt bad playing the tiny hands alarm because it's tiny not hands. Pickett's fault, tiny hands. right? But Mitch is so much worse. And that is his fault. We almost need a Mitch Trubisky alarm. Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky. There it is. That is Mitch the Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky alarm. Mitch Trubisky. And I don't feel badly about that. Mitch Trubisky. I've always felt Mitch guilty Trubisky. about the tiny hands alarm. Mitch Trubisky. Not only do I not feel badly about this alarm, I'm proud of this alarm. I love this alarm. Whenever I watch this guy, I think about that one jerk in Chicago that used to call this show all the time and try to get into me about, hey, Rome, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Trubisky is a great draft pick. Trubisky is going to be an incredible player. There literally was a guy in Chicago that used to call this show, like, furious and trying to take me to task. Where are you now, bro? That's the crazy thing. Like, I don't care about any of the hate. I don't care about any of the calls. I don't care about any of the disagreement. But but that guy, for some reason, that guy stayed with me. That one dude, I don't remember his name, but he would call from Chicago when I was killing them for that draft pick and killing him for his play. And this guy was so angry and always coming at me, always coming for me. Where are you now, dude? I've got something I want you to hear. Mitch Trubisky. That. Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky. The Mitch Trubisky alarm. Mitch Trubisky. Bro, Mitch Trubisky. you know your career was on the line Mitch last Trubisky. night, right? Mitch I have never Trubisky. seen a guy who seemed Mitch less Trubisky. interested or less Mitch sure Trubisky. of himself. Mitch Trubisky. Or who needed a game Mitch worse Trubisky. than that guy. Mitch Trubisky. Show up like that. Mitch Trubisky. I, I'm in shock. Mitch Trubisky. Mitch there it is. The world premiere of the Mitch Trubisky Mitch alarm. Trubisky. And I'm not apologizing Mitch for that. Trubisky. Not even sorry, Mitch not Trubisky. sorry. I mean, not. I'm not sorry. Mitch Trubisky. I apologize Mitch Trubisky. to absolutely nobody Mitch for that. Trubisky. My man, you earned that. Mitch Trubisky. So when you were in Chicago and running around the facility and turning Mitch off all the TVs because Trubisky. people were coming for you, I would do that Mitch right Trubisky. now. Because I'm on TV, problem, turn off and I'm on radio. You should go around turning off all the radios, too, because you, my friend, have your own alarm. Because it's just not fair that people be subjected to your play without knowing it. That's why there's an alarm. If there's a fire, the alarm goes off. If there's an earthquake, the alarm goes off. If you step on a field and somebody puts a football in your hand, there's an alarm that goes off. Mitch Trubisky... Mitch Trubisky. It's going off in the cafeteria. Little kids diving under the desks. You know what they're going to do now? Nationwide, they're going to have not fire drills, but Mitch Trubisky drills. And they're going to practice. 
And little kids nationwide are going to hear the Mitch Trubisky alarm and either get under their desks or head out in an orderly fashion to the playground. Mitch Trubisky. And head to a Trubisky shelter. Mitch Trubisky. You know, like doomsday shelters. There are now Trubisky shelters. And don't correct me on the pronunciation of his name. I know. I know. It's a play on the big head. You ever do that? You have fire alarms in school when you were a kid? The bell would ring? And the teachers would be like, kids, kids, let's go, let's go. File out in an orderly fashion to the exit. Single file line. Get to the playground. Yeah, well, that's what's going to happen now with Trubisky alarms. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Hey, Avi, I don't know if you're flashing back to this. So we're right now, we're late right now, but here's a flashback Friday. Where we broadcast from right now is a single-level facility. Where we used to broadcast from in our final year, for whatever reason, and I don't remember why, maybe you do, Alvy, we were on the 16th floor, and they would constantly have these fire alarms, and we would have to go, and by the way, we were not allowed to use the elevator, so we would file out 16 floors, and then they'd make a stand outside for a good 30 minutes, 45 minutes. We just weren't built for that. We were there to get our work done and get out, so we started to ignore it. And then they knew that we were the ones ignoring it, and they'd send security, and, and they'd be like, you got to go, you got to go. And I didn't want to be a smart aleck about it, and I would say, with all due respect, security guy, no, I did not go, you know who the hell I am? I didn't do that. But I would say, with all due respect, security guy, is there an actual fire? Because I, I, I just don't want to walk down 16 more floors, because I have work to do. Mr. Rome, Mr. Rome, get, get. Now, luckily, mostly it was in the afternoon after the show. It didn't wreck on mornings. But it was going on over and over and over again. And you couldn't use the elevator. And we would just be standing around with our thumbs up our butts, wondering when we could re-enter the building. Bad memories. And there you go. Find me somebody else who can just go like that for 27 minutes. Sorry, not sorry. That was the world premiere of the Trubisky alarm. Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> sorry about that, Alvy. So, why don't I hit you with a question? Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky? We should have an Old Trapper Beef Jerky alarm. So I can play that when I'm going to let you know how awesome it is. Old Trapper. Do it again. Old Trapper. Old Trapper. Old Trapper. Mitch Trubisky. Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Mitch Trubisky. It's amazing. Not all beef jerky is the same. Do not be fooled by other brands. When you hear this alarm, it is time to buy Old Trapper. That's how you know. Go ahead, Albie. Buy Old Trapper. Buy Old Trapper. Buy Old Trapper. Buy Old Trapper. Eat Old Trapper. Eat Old Trapper. It's the best. It comes in an iconic Clearview package. It comes in four mouth-watering flavors. It's like subliminal. Buy Old Trapper. Buy Old Trapper. Eat Old Trapper. Best beef jerky ever. Four different flavors. It's a cold beer's best friend. Grab and go with a four-ounce bag or load it up. Thanks, Alvy. With an 18-ounce bag. All kidding aside, I don't kid about Old Trapper.
It's the real deal. It's amazing. It is the best beef jerky ever. I will be getting into an 18-ounce bag tonight. Count on it. If you don't see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Bones. Good news is I could not be happier with you right now. Truly. Every phone line's jammed. Good job. Damn good job. Even better effort. That's the good news. Bad news is, quote, ain't none of you getting on. Not right now. Because I've got back-to-back interviews. Hey, listen, do me a favor. Hang in there if you would. I would love to get you on. I really am pumped. I am hyped to see every single line lit and others trying to get through. That is awesome. But I've got back-to-back interviews. Kyle Rudolph next, and I've got the big head. You know what? I might even move the big head for you clones. I'll think about that. But I'm not moving Kyle Rudolph. He's next. Let me get you a sports update first. Here's the latest. Here is Andrew Bogish. Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back. Halfway through hour number one, a tremendous Friday to you. I'm in SoCal. I'm Jim Rome. Nice to have you. We are joined right now by a former tight end who announced his retirement on September 4th after 12 NFL seasons. He played 10 years for the Vikings. He played a year for the Giants. He played a year for the Buccaneers. He was a pro bowler in 2012 and 2017. A Big Ten football analyst now for NBC Sports and Peacock. He appears courtesy today of... All True and the 2023 Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award presented by Nationwide. I am talking about Kyle Rudolph. Kyle, what's going on? Great to get caught up. Nice to have you on the show, dude. How are you? I'm great, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Always good to catch up with you. Yeah, you too, dude. I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. So before we talk about the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, because I know that's important to you as a three-time nominee, tell me about your first football season without being on the field. How has that gone for you personally and professionally? Well, Personally, I feel a lot better physically this time of the year uh, than I have the last 12 or 15 years or so. Um, But, you know, it's something that as a football player, you know, I I talk about this a lot. Like you you never know when it's going to end. And I was very fortunate to have played as long as I did and to be able to walk away from the game on my own. That doesn't mean you you won't miss what, what I used to do for a living and what I used to get to do every Sunday. And I think there's just there's things about football that you can never replicate in your life. Now, I've certainly filled the time in my life with stuff like All True um, and, and trying to keep myself busy. Uh, certainly, uh, my wife and kids don't just want me at the house hanging out all day, getting in their way. Uh, so it's, it's kept me busy. Um, it, it certainly occupies my time and my mind. And, you know, for me, what better way to spend my time than trying to help others make a difference who share that same passion that I share, and it allows me to continue to identify myself as someone who makes a difference in communities, which I was able to do while I was playing, 
now that I'm retired as well. We're talking to Kyle Rudolph. I'm going to ask you and follow up on that in one second. I want to ask you about your career in the sense that as the Vikings record holder for most career TD receptions by a tight end, you're always going to be connected to that franchise. Kyle, when you think about the 2017 season, which included a trip to the NFC Championship game after the Minneapolis miracle against the Saints in the divisional round, when you think back on that year, what do you remember most about that season and that team? Uh, I mean... That was our shot. You know, you, you play this game long enough. And, you know, I remember that year and kind of going through that run of games in the playoffs. And for me, that was my seventh year in the NFL. Prior to that, I had uh, an early exit in the wild card round in 2012. Um, you know, we lost in the wild card round in 2015. And that year we, we had a first round bye. We won in the divisional round. We were one game away from the Super Bowl. And ultimately, just telling everyone in our locker room, like, especially the younger guys, th- this doesn't just happen every year. Do not take this for granted. Being one game away from the Super Bowl, you may never get back here again. I ultimately went and played five more years after that and never got that close again. So uh, I think back to that playoff run, how close we were to the Super Bowl, really the way the NFC Championship game played out. We scored on the first drive. We were up 7 nothing. We got the ball back after a... a the Eagles offense uh, moved it a little bit, but then punted cross midfield. And then we threw a pick six and it was like seven, seven next, next time, next, you know, you blinked. And I think it was 28 to seven next coming out of the half. And, you know, it was just a game that we felt like got off to a great start. We were in control. And then all of a sudden uh, nothing went our way. And ultimately the Eagles came back to Minneapolis, won the Super Bowl that year. So, you know, for me, I'll always remember that year as, the the closest opportunity I ever had to get to playing in the big one. Mm. Kyle Rudolph is joining us. You know, the Vikings signed Kirk Cousins the following year. It did not take you long to get on the same page with him. In fact, you caught a TD pass in his Viking debut. How would you describe the connection and the chemistry the two of you had in that offense in the three years that you played together? Well, I think, you know, you just look at the offense. And I remember at that time um, we had – John D. Filippo came over from Philly. Uh, Zach Ertz was a guy who caught a ton of balls in that offense. And then Kevin Stefanski was in the quarterback room. And, and Kevin had his experience with all of the personnel. He had been with us for the seven years bo- before that. Um, as the offense evolved, the next year, Gary Kubiak came over. And he had an offense that was very tight end friendly. Um, so I think, you know, for me, just you had two guys that had played a lot of football. Uh, in Kirk and myself and you know I just tried to always pride myself up until Kirk I had six different opening day starters in six years so um, you know it was good for me to to have some consistency uh, year seven eight nine or year eight nine and ten getting to start with the same quarterback going through the offseason knowing who your quarterback was going to be uh, so just all the extra work that we're able to put in those off seasons uh, training camps you know, you're not splitting reps with quarterbacks. There's no quarterback competition, things like that. So uh, I think that's what allowed us to to build a relationship and build chemistry and get on the same page. So, Cal, you were the pro's pro. I'm curious. You finished your career playing for the Bucks, which meant that you played a year with Tom Brady, and that turned out to be his final year as well. What was your biggest takeaway from playing with him? Uh, you know, for me, having played for Charlie Weiss at Notre Dame, I felt like you know, immediately when I got there in 2008, it was the Patriots offense. Just you took the Patriots logo off and put the Notre Dame logo on our playbook. So we were watching 
early 2000s, mid 2000s Patriots film all the time. I was studying Tom. I was watching him on tape. And then I got to the NFL and I got to, to watch from afar uh, a couple times on the opposing sideline. Tom and I kind of had a relationship a little bit. We communicated just because of the connection with Coach Weiss. And then ultimately, when I got to be in the locker room with him and be around him, you know, he exceeded every expectation that, that I ever had of him as a person. Um, we all know him as the greatest football player ever. But what you don't realize is he's an even better human being, an even better teammate, an even better guy around the locker room. And uh, for me, just to be able to spend one year with him, and it certainly was a year that didn't go the way I thought it was going, the way anyone thought it was going to go in that locker room. But yet, he was the same guy day in and day out, leading our offense, ultimately leading our team uh, to try to get the most out of everybody. Cal Rudolph is joining us. Cal, you're the co-founder of All True, which rallies support for charitable causes. What more can you tell us about that and what you're doing with the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award presented by Nationwide? Well, thanks to Nationwide, we're able to lead a campaign. And as you know, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award is the highest award in our game. You know, it's, it's the greatest honor. And, and 32 guys are nominated for this award, one from each team. And for these 32 guys, being a three-time nominee myself, I know what it's like and how incredible this honor is. So for me, there was always more. You know, I haven't been nominated for the award since uh, 2018 was the last year I was nominated. But I've always remained close with everyone involved in the award, uh, what Walter Payton's legacy means and trying to do everything I can to continue to carry that on each and every year that I'm further removed from the game of football. And thanks to Nationwide, Altru is able to rally support directly from our fans. And, you know, the greatest fans in the world, football fans have the opportunity to directly support their nominees. So uh, you have a chance to donate directly to your favorite team's nominee or your favorite player may be nominated. And 100% of those proceeds go directly to the charity of their choice because of nationwide sponsorship. So you get to donate, support your favorite player. And the cool part about it is, and one of the things that I enjoy most about this platform, you have a chance to win some incredible experiences, once-in-a-lifetime opportunities, getting to meet some of these guys, uh, getting to be on the field pregame, maybe go out to dinner. Uh, We had some guys that got to sit courtside at an NBA game. So, Uh, These are just once-in-a-lifetime experiences for our fans. And not only are we providing once-in-a-lifetime experiences, we're raising incredibly large amounts of money directly for these player causes. And uh, for me, it's always been about how can I do something that elevates these men's platform and also amplifies the impact that they're already making. They're nominated for a reason. They're doing incredible work in their community. So, you know, how can I help the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award continue to support them and give them the opportunity to do the great work that they're already doing in their communities? How? By doing exactly what you're doing right now. Well done. Kyle Rudolph joining us, former tight end. He did announce his retirement on September 4th after 12 seasons. Kyle, always good to get caught up with you. Appreciate the conversation. Thank you very much. Hope you and I can chat again soon. Thanks, Jim. Likewise. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Kyle Rudolph joining us. Class act. What a great player, too. 
All right, so that's our number one. Appreciate his thoughts. I want to set you up for our number two now. You can react to that. The Big Head is going to join me next segment. We can get right into that. James Kelly, we're going to pick five NFL games against the spread. Try and bounce back from last night. Although, I think that he hit his prop bet, right? So you make a little money there, I think. Also, you remember the Pro Football Doc came on yesterday, and there was a clone special, and he gave you something. If you took advantage of that, you got paid. So I'm trying to make you some money here, right? Top of our number three, Brandel Chambly joins us. We'll talk about John Rahm doing what he said that he would not do. Hey, listen, notice I'm not judging. I'm not here to come for John Rahm. It would take an unbelievable human to say no to 300, 400, 500, whatever the deal is. I'm not exactly sure. We don't know the terms of that deal. I think we can go ahead and assume that it's at least 300, maybe 400, could be a half a bill. I just find it is pretty curious that all the things that he said that he hated about Liv and the format, apparently now he likes. You know, if you want to say, hey, look, I was not going to turn down $400 million. I get that. I absolutely get that. If you want to say that. If you want to say, you know what this is about? The money. Or, you know, if you want to say even, I stood by PGA leadership, and then they went around my back and did a deal. And I think that's disingenuous. And I got a problem. And so if they're doing a deal, why shouldn't I do a deal? I get that. What I don't get is, hey, man, I like that 54-hole mat, 54-hole format. No, you don't. You absolutely don't. You were on record as saying you don't. And I know you don't like it now. Just just be real with it. I, I'm not, hey, hey, Rome, would you say no to that money? Probably not. Almost assuredly not. But I would tell you that I couldn't say no to the money. We'll get into all that. The Big Head coming up next. Stay tuned.